We're now going to uh, have our reading for the day, which will be taken from John 6, and then once we've had our reading, uh, Anita will come up and give us our sermon. Our reading is from John chapter 6. I'm going to take my time because I know Anita's gone to help children across the hall. So I'm going to read a nice and leisurely pace so she gets back in time. But our, our reading is John chapter 6, and it's verses 16 to 21. I thought, is that right? Yes. 16, there we go. <laughs> so it's the story of Jesus walking on water, according to John. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they'd rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the water and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So good morning. If you're not sure who I am, my name is Anita, and I'm part of the team here looking particularly at discipleship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are gathered as your people here today amongst many, many millions across the world. We thank you that you've given us each other so that we can learn together. And we thank you for your Spirit's guiding work within us. Help us to receive whatever you want to teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're nearly at the end of our series on invitation. We've called it Come and See. So the invitation is from God to us and from us to others to come and see. And today's uh, theme or title is Invitation to Step Out of Your Comfort Zone. The Lord inviting us to step out of our comfort zone. No, thank you. I'll just go and sit down. I wonder what goes through your mind when you hear about the great heroes of our faith. The Apostle Paul, someone like George Muller, Corrie ten Boom. They are so inspiring, aren't they? But sometimes it can actually leave us feeling a bit small because we compare ourselves to them and we just feel like, well, you know, compared to them, my faith is just nothing. On a related point, I think it took me till I was about 30 to realize that the aim of life is not to try and avoid trouble and difficulty. I'm always fighting that urge to stay safe, to play it safe, not to take risks, not to step out of the boat. I guess it's just the way I'm made and must be very frustrating for people who live and work with me, but that's just the way it is. I'm learning to say yes to new things and not just to settle for the easy option. So I'm dedicating today's sermon to the timid, the cautious, or as I like to call it, the sensible ones. The way is up of pros and cons. The people who say, let's not rock the boat. The people who say, Lord, 
If you're talking about stepping out of my comfort zone today, I've mentally already gone home. I'm curled up on the sofa. So this one's for you. Now, as you know, faith is not about being comfortable. Jesus is a very uncomfortable person to follow. The disciples were always discovering that, and we'll find out more about that in our, in our passage today. If comfortable faith was the thing that moved mountains and caused people to turn to Christ, then we would have seen mass revival in the UK, wouldn't we? So let's look into this passage about Jesus walking on the water to see how the timid, the comfortable, the cautious, or as I like to call them, the sensible ones, can also find ways to increase our faith in uncomfortable times. You might like to call it when we've been pushed out of the boat because we're not likely to get out of our own accord. So looking at the passage, this comes directly after the feeding of the 5,000. People were fed because it was already getting late in the day and there was a worry about all these people who were listening to Jesus and hadn't had anything to eat. So evening is already approaching. In The Chosen, the online uh, serial about Jesus that I hope you're able to watch, it was so fantastic, you really get the sense of how the disciples spent a lot of time waiting around trying to work out and arguing between them about what Jesus was up to. Where is he? What's he doing? Are you sure he said to do this? Are you sure he didn't say something else? Once they left him to go and get food, and when they came back, he was chatting to a Samaritan woman as if it was 2021 and not AD 30. When they went with him to Jerusalem, he started smashing up the moneylenders' stores in the temple courts. They just never knew what he was up to. And at this point, after the feeding of the 5,000, the crowd were really excited about who Jesus was and what he was doing. And they would have swept along with him to Jerusalem and proclaimed him king. But what does Jesus choose to do? He goes off by himself and tries to disperse the crowd. So in this account of Jesus walking on the water, the other Gospels say that Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and sail to Capernaum and that he would disperse the crowd. And I guess there's some feeling that he would catch them up. But in John's Gospel, it's a bit different. It doesn't say that. So you get more of a sense of how the disciples were confused. It says in verse 17, by now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Are they meant to be waiting for him? Is he going to come later? How is he going to join them? You could imagine him looking at the sky and seeing it getting darker and darker. Somebody sensible would say, oh, the wind's getting up. Are you, you, know, are you sure we should be doing this? Why don't we wait till Jesus comes? Now, the fishermen among them were used to sailing at night because that's how they fished, but I think the others would have felt a lot more nervous about night sailing. And so, in the end, they decide to get in the boat and off they go to Capernaum. We hear that a strong wind was blowing and the waters were growing rough, so their progress gets more and more difficult. And then Jesus appears. But instead of, hooray, Jesus is here, they are terrified because he's walking on the water. 
Now, we've heard this story many times, most of us, and so I don't think it really has the impact it must have had on them. He's actually walking on the water. And when I looked up pictures of Jesus walking on the water, this is the only one I could find that just didn't seem ridiculous because it's actually such a hard thing to convey without it seeming just silly, uh, Jesus walking on the water. The disciples couldn't believe it was really him and they thought he might be a ghost. So I'm the one who gets to tell a ghost story on Halloween. In John's account of what happened, we don't focus on Peter getting out of the boat full of faith, but on the others who are still in the boat. But they're most definitely out of their comfort zone already. Metaphorically speaking, they are out of the boat and they're gasping and spluttering. They're out of their depth, we might say, and I bet they were wishing that they were safely back on shore. Now, I think this is the kind of scenario where people who are full of faith who have that real gift of faith, would be really excited. God, what are you doing? You're walking on water. How amazing. He's revealing his glory to us in the most difficult circumstances. But how did the others react, the more timid members, and how can we learn practical tips for how we might live? So the first thing I think we can learn from this story is that the disciples listened for the familiar voice of Jesus. They listened for his familiar voice. It's shocking, isn't it, that they first thought he was a ghost when Jesus arrived because they didn't understand. The very person who should have made them feel calm was alien to them. But it was when he spoke to them that suddenly they felt okay. He says, it is I, don't be afraid. In another translation, you might say, I am he. And we know that that phrase, I am, is the way that God spoke to his people and called, them, called his name, I am. So I'm sure that's not a coincidence that the Lord who created the earth and the heaven and the waters is identifying himself to the disciples who would have been very familiar with that phrase, I am. So let's put that into your own context. I wonder if you can look back to when you were a child. Did you ever get lost and couldn't find your parents, or they couldn't find you? Has anyone had that experience? I definitely have. When you walked off with the wrong pair of legs and then looked up and realized it wasn't your dad or your mum. When you get distressed as a child, often your parent will say your name over and over again in a very calm voice to try and calm you down and focus you. Or maybe you're someone who suffers from panic attacks and it's somebody, a loved one, giving your name, saying your name, and speaking calmly to you that helps you to calm down. Or maybe you're upset at something at work or something that's happened in your family. Anytime you're out of your comfort zone, and remember, I'm, I'm thinking particularly of those of us who've been tipped out of the boat. When this kind of situation happens, call out for and listen for the voice of Jesus, that familiar voice of Jesus, to calm you and to reassure you, whatever is going on around you. And if you want to get ideas about this, look in the Psalms. There are so many examples, aren't there, of people crying out to God, God, where are you? I can't find you. I can't see what you're doing. Where are you? Let me hear your voice. We can do those same kind of arrow prayers, as we might call them, where we cry out to God. 
Or if it's not an immediate situation, but a, a time of difficulty, then why don't you write down your honest thoughts to God, your own psalm, where you're crying out to God? If you learnt some Bible verses that are really encouraging, you could use them to lift you, if you can recall them to mind at a time of crisis. Different ways that we can listen out for the voice of God. Sometimes it's by speaking to a, a wise and trusted friend and praying with them that we hear God's voice. Recently, I went to Spain and when I tried to come home, I got stuck at the airport um, on the wrong side of the COVID regulations. And uh, there were many cries of, help, Lord, while I was there. I found it very distressing not to be able to go home. I'm sure you have had situations and you will have situations where you need to listen for God's familiar voice. And if God's voice isn't very familiar yet, then don't worry, just keep practicing. And as you practice listening and practice speaking to God, you will find that you get more attuned to what he might be saying. The second thing the disciples did is that they embraced the now the disciples sought God in the middle of their circumstances rather than trying to fight them. They welcomed Jesus into the boat. Phew, he's not a ghost, he's flesh and blood. And I love the way that that's quite a good um, preview of what happened after Jesus rose from the dead when he came and stood among his disciples. And they again, they thought he was a ghost. And then they realized, no, it's him. So they invited Jesus into the middle of what was going on. People say today that if you're the sort of person who can never accept difficult circumstances but keep fighting against them, then you take much longer to get over things than people who quickly adapt and accept the situations that aren't in their control and then operate within them. You know we use that phrase nowadays, it is what it is. It's both meaningless but also quite profound because it's an acceptance of this I can't change so I just need to get on with it. Or Jesus' words, do not worry about tomorrow, for each day has enough trouble of its own. And I think if you're like me, if you're a cautious type, then you often ask God to airlift you out of difficult situations. You shout, I'm a coward, get me out of here. But maybe if it's not such a dangerous situation, or it's not overwhelming, it's not too much to bear, then I think I'm going to experiment next time and see if I can picture Jesus being airlifted in to be with me rather than always asking him to lift me out. As you're familiar in Psalm 23, it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's unrealistic to expect to avoid trouble. We know that. It's also, we now know, harmful for us to try always avoid trouble. And spiritually, we miss out on the blessings of closeness with God if we always avoid trouble, so we never really need him. Now, I know this picture of Jesus being airlifted into us is slightly wrong, because obviously God is with us all the time. It's just that we don't recognize it at times of crisis sometimes. And I think that picture of him coming in 
is still valid. We invite Jesus to come, don't we, in our services. We know he's already here, but it's a, it's a way that we humanly understand it. I hope that some of us have experienced perhaps a greater closeness with family or friends during the pandemic because we've had to lean on each other more. And it's the same principle with God. The more we lean on him, the more we experience that closeness. Remember, faith is not about rules, it's about relationship, that God just loves being with us. So in a time of crisis, that's a time he can really be with us. So I'm not saying you should... uh, just be stoic and sit sit through any situation. There are some situations where God does need to airlift us out and there are some situations that we shouldn't stand for. But it's weighing up when, when to go through and when to ask to be lifted out, isn't it? And maybe in the immediate term, there are many circumstances we just have to get through. So let's imagine Jesus airlifting in to help us. So the disciples, they've listened out for the familiar voice of Jesus and they've embraced the new. And thirdly, they learned to enjoy the ride. Cautious people, or as I like to call them, the sensible ones, can also learn to thrive in their faith. The disciples recognized Jesus' voice, they brought him into the boat, and it says in verse 21, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. This could have been another miracle, It could have been that Jesus overcame time and space and suddenly the boat is at shore. Or perhaps it was that that's how it felt because they were now not panicked and so, you know, they felt that the time just flew. We don't know. It doesn't really matter compared to walking on water, the other miracle, if it was one. It's not so important, perhaps. But the disciples' attitude had definitely changed. They were surprising themselves. They were starting to enjoy the situation. We cautious people, sensible ones, who splutter and make a fuss when we're tipped out of the boat, we can learn to enjoy unsettled and challenging times as we learn that Jesus really is there and he really has got us. Just think for a moment about maybe a time when you fought against something that then turned out to be for your good. Maybe the breakdown of a relationship that was actually quite damaging. Or maybe the loss of a job that then led to something much better. Or an enforced move to a new place that led to new opportunities. Think about what happened here in this building three years ago and how many people were really frightened of what what it would do to the church and what it would be like. And now look, I think most people would agree that it was worth the hassle. It was worth the challenge. And let me tell you a little story from my own life. 13 years ago, uh, Chris got a new job in Bristol Diocese, and we moved from Kent to Bristol. I was really reluctant. I did not want to come here. Unknown city, didn't know anybody. I was really happy where I was. Lots of friends, lots of support for me and the children and for the family, the church family that I loved. So I really didn't want to come, and I really struggled not just with going, but when we got here, I also struggled with settling in. But, 13 years on, what a great thing it was to come here. In many respects, partly due to you guys. Now, I probably wouldn't have gone if I hadn't been tipped out of the boat. But listening to the familiar voice of Jesus, I prayed, I cried out to God, do we have to do this? Are you going to be there to help us? Will you go with us? 
After a while, I got this wisdom that if it's right for one member of the family, I'll make it right for all of you, said God. And so I really held on to that that word. And over the months after we arrived, I could see that come true. Secondly, I learned how to embrace the now. I stopped railing against the circumstance and accepted it. So the children and I both went through this thing, do we have to go? And the children said that to me every night in our prayers for about six weeks. Do we have to go to Bristol? So it got a bit wearing, and even I was convinced by the end of it. So I said to them, right, you're not allowed to say that anymore. You don't, because yes, we are going. It's all signed and sealed. So you can say, God, I don't want to go. Will you help me? But you can't say, do we have to go? Because, you know, I can't cope with that every, I can't explain that any more times. Um, Now, I have to make this clear. Poor Chris is sitting here. He's not an ogre. (laughs) It was clearly the right thing to do to come to Bristol. Um, It's just that my heart always has trouble catching up with my head. And so the third thing, as we got here, I learned to enjoy the ride by getting stuck in, by learning to serve, finding places to to serve, reaching out to meet people, to see where God was leading me. So that's my example. I'm sure you have stories to tell that you can share up with each other. I wonder if you would class yourself as somebody who steps out of the boat voluntarily or somebody who very much stays in the boat until you're tipped. Perhaps most of us are somewhere in the middle. You can ask each other that afterwards. Are you a, are you a stepper out of the boat or are you a cling on to the sides person? So to sum up, the disciples, I think, were probably as cautious as the rest of us, but they followed Jesus' voice even when they didn't understand what he was doing. And we got that picture of the good shepherd, haven't we? That the sheep know his voice and follow him. Secondly, remember that they embraced the now. They sought God in the middle of their circumstances. And that was going to be crucial. They had to really learn to do that when it came to the crucifixion. And thirdly, they learned to enjoy the ride. I think we see that more in Acts than in the Gospels. Because once the Holy Spirit fills them, the disciples start to enjoy stepping out of their comfort zone. They even choose it sometimes. And I think we can do the same. It's a process of faith that we learn to go along. So let's close with prayer. Lord, we praise you for those with great faith who are not afraid of difficult decisions and who step out in faith. Help us to support them, learn from them, and pray for them. Father, we also praise you for the cautious. We thank you for their common sense and their grasp of practicalities. Thank you, Father, that we can all learn together to trust you more. We can enjoy a life of faith together through the power of the Holy Spirit and through listening to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.